1: Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast, is brought to you by, well, you. If you want to learn how to support our show, go to patreon.com/laststandmedia. Greetings and salutations. Welcome to Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast. This is episode number 183. My name is Colin Moriarty. I'm joined today by my sons, Chris Ragon and Dustin Furman. Now, it's a special sort of episode. I'm going to go to the boys, ask them how they are. But if you're tuning in for the week's news, this will not be that episode. We want to continue to have content going out in the holidays. So we are pre recording this. And as we did, I think the last two years, we are both touching on the year. To have uh, we've already experienced the last 365 days and we are going to move forward now and talk about the games that we're really excited about for 2022 and then you're listening to this so next week we'll be back so don't don't get too upset yeah don't get too worried take it easy we're glad to be here with you and we hope the holiday season is treating you well but I just wanted to get right into that answer those questions Chris how are you today
3: I'm doing all right I kind of noticed the second we started recording that I, I forgot to clean my glasses today which is annoying oh. So he's like, I usually do it like right before. I'm usually cleaning my glasses as we start Mm. because it's just a good. It seems like a good time to do it. Why not? But I forgot. We're all
1: out. We're all out of sorts. I know. I actually had to restart the show, which I usually never do. Just wasn't feeling it. Then I could hear Treble barking in the background. You know, I had to go investigate that. I also feel a fart brewing. Oh, no. To be honest, you know, one of those ones that kind of linger and you you're not certain that if you let it go,
2: Anything unexpected can happen.
1: things might happen. Anything can happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's how I'm feeling today. But uh, Chris, it's good to see you. Dustin, how are you today, my friend?
2: Doing great. I'm, I'm pleased because they put for pre-order the, the Persona vinyls, which there's a box set and it's $400. I did not do that. But the uh <laughs> sure. I always told Holly I, I told her I said, listen, if they ever put the Persona four soundtrack on vinyl, I'm buying it no matter what, and today's the day I did it hundred and twenty bucks, which still
0: sure.
2: it's it's a, a lot of money, no doubt, but I don't spring for these things often, so I sure. thought you know what I'm doing it yeah. so don't I I to judge I mean
1: yeah I, I spend a lot of money on to- toys from the 80s. So who don't mind to judge. Yeah, just a uh, expanding his vinyl collection uh, on a great soundtrack, by the way. That's right. Yeah. Well, it's good to see you boys and it's good to be here with all of you out there. Again, hope the holiday season is treating you well as we go away. Hopefully nothing important has happened. Uh, maybe Nintendo and Microsoft have created some sort of unholy alliance and we're just we're helpless to even talk about it. Yeah. I have no idea what what might be happening out there, but Hopefully nothing newsworthy. One of us might be dead. Live. That's, that's true.
3: That's too. also, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, also somewhere
1: possible. <laughs> this will exist. I assume YouTube will exist in a hundred years, and so these videos will just always bounce around, I assume, just into deep, deep obscurity. Yeah. But someone could be watching this in 2100, and yeah, we are dead.
3: Yeah. yeah. We're Probably, we're dead you know. as we're dead as hell. You know what's you know what I think about a lot is it's the fact that like we we have recorded so much of ourselves in such a way that our great par- great grandparents like could not have so like just the, the oh, eerie definitely. the eeriness of being able to like watch two hundred and seven, seventy, whatever episodes of your great grandfather talking about anything must be so bizarre and it's something we have no idea but you guys will if you're watching this in 2200 or
1: whatever the hell oh oh definitely definitely it's interesting but you're right because especially i've put Probably, I, I've talked about the ten thousand hour mastery thing with podcasting before, and how I think I've surpassed that ten thousand hour mark. It just, ha- it just must have been at some point, and that's just so much shit. Yeah, just out there. Like, it would be impossible not to know me. And I, like, if you were curious about, you know, grand, 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 great grandpappy Colin, you know, what was he like? Well, let's go watch his YouTube videos as we as we go to uh the moons of Jupiter. So weird. All right, I don't know what we're talking about here. Well, as usual, PlayStation podcast, this episode designed to examine 2022, and I wanted to begin with a letter from the audience. Of course, you can support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Media for early ad-free access to every episode of this show, uh, submit questions, comments, concerns, thoughts, and ideas to the show, access to Sacred Symbols Plus as well, which goes twice a week on Patreon, our uh you know interview series reviews et cetera, and so on a lot of stuff going on over there you can support us for as little as one dollar a month people want me to point that out so i'm pointing that out to you but come join us over there specter bull wrote into us and said greetings boys is it just me or is 2022 not looking too exciting between the third party publishers and lack of exclusives i'm starting to wonder if 2022 is actually going to be where we feel the effects of covid uh, on the industry so Chris, let's go to you first. Uh, in researching this, we each selected five games, five different games, which is good. And just looking through things, I kind of don't disagree with Spectre Bowl. It doesn't seem like a super vibrant year, but I'm not entirely sure why that is. I think if you're an Xbox player, it's looking better long for later in the year.
0: Mm-hmm. I
1: definitely am excited about God of War and Horizon, no doubt. But it does seem a little like, nah. I don't know. Do you think that 2022 will be a boring year, kind of like 2021 was?
3: (laughs) No, I I don't think so. Uh, I also don't necessarily think 2021 was all that boring. I I think this Mm. next year, there's Mm. a lot of unproven material. You know, like we have a lot of stuff that very well could be cool and very well could not be so hot. I think we're all pretty, I think we all have a pretty decent amount of faith in Horizon and God of War because there's no reason to doubt those. But everything else that surrounds it, you know, either looks like it could be really cool, like, you know, Cyberpunk looked, looked like it could be cool, but we saw how fumbled that got. And I don't know. There's a lot of games on this list that it's, it's kind of up in the air, so whether or not these things are going to land or not. And I think the more exciting thing about this next year is kind of wondering which ones are going to hit and which ones won't, because it seems like a pretty even-keeled year for, like, anything to kind of surprise and, like, kind of mm. take, like, we don't know, like, between, like, Forspoken and, and, like, Suicide Squad and and all these Hogwarts Legacy, I don't know which one of those is going to be the better game. Like, I have no idea. Could be Hogwarts. Could be, like, a, right. a myriad of other things. Like, it's, 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 a, it's a non-predictable year, I think, which I think yeah. is actually a little bit more interesting than having a, a year where, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, you got Halo and Forza and, you know, you have things that you can predict are going to be pretty good. You know, with not too many surprises, aside from like it takes two or, or stuff like that, which was a surprise. But you know, I think I think this next year is going to be interesting more than more than anything. Well, I like your optimistic outlook. What do you think, Dustin?
2: When I was researching titles to talk about for this episode, I was realizing the the same thing is that there's a lot of games that I feel like I've got my eye on this mm-hmm. year. A lot of games, like Chris was saying, that have seemingly a lot of potential but also red flags that you know make you question should I be excited about this we're gonna have to kind of wait and see and the other thing that I was just thinking about this year is that I wonder if this will be a year where we see a lot of games announced and released in the same year in that Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if there are some publishers and studios that are holding off announcements because just with the unknownness of of covid that they would kind of just rather wait and see until you get closer to around e3 time and then announce a game with a release date for holiday so it's uh it's i think chris is right in that this is a really interesting year there's no doubt some absolutely huge huge games many many of them we're gonna talk about here um, and not just from PlayStation, but we mentioned Xbox and surely Nintendo will release their follow up to Breath of the Wild, which is notably one of the best games they've ever put out for a lot of people. So that's going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. But it's, uh, I think, I feel like we should term it the wild card year for right now.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Interesting nomenclature as we also move into wild card weekend. Around the time this is going to go live, and the NFL will be just a couple weeks away. So
2: I'm a big football fan. So that was like my connection there. (laughs) Of course, Wildcard weekend, of
1: course, the best weekend in all of football. Of course, I want to get into this. I'll go last. Chris, let's let the little boy Dustin go first. Oh, no. We'll we'll each go through our games as we usually do 1 1 1 1 1 1 and so on and so forth. Dustin, take them in any order you'd like. I actually have mine in a specific order, and I'll present them like that, but I don't want everyone to have to play by my rules. So, present your game, talk about it however you like, and uh, set the precedent. Sure. By which we'll do the rest of this episode. So, I'll go with the game that I know the least about, just
2: because when I was researching for this, I stumbled across this game, and I remember seeing this a year or two ago announced and completely forgetting about it, but... This game is called Grand Blue Fantasy Relink, and this game is particularly curious in that it's from Psy Games, which is primarily known as a mobile game publisher in Japan, and while this isn't their first console game period, it is no doubt their most notable, Grand Blue Fantasy is is a huge, huge IP in Japan, like I mentioned, the mobile game is huge, but also they did a game, a fighting game, with uh, Arc System Works recently. I, I'm i trying to remember exactly what that was called, but that was recent. And so what's uh, weird about this game also is just that this initially started as a collaboration between Platinum Games and Psy Games. And then at some point, Platinum Games exited the project. I I don't know if it's known if they were... If they left or they were asked to be you know they told them they were removed but in watching the gameplay this game looks awesome it is a mix of platinum style combat and tails just coming off tales of arise it reminds me a lot of that as well and just a really visually striking JRP action jrpg and i like i said I don't know anything about the grand blue universe or story uh but i was be really honest, what is there to kn- what
1: is there to know
2: right yeah, yeah what is there I, really to know honest, so <laughs> overall though i'll be keeping my my eye in this game no doubt the the trailers there's a ton of gameplay out for this game there's a one hour video of gameplay that i was scrolling around in and it it looks really really fun
1: the uh by the way, the fighting game that you were talking about was Grand Blue Fantasy Versus.
2: Yes, there we
1: go. And that came to PS4 in the West in March of 2020. So you already have that out here. And I'm actually looking at the, f- the roster of characters. These-, these names all mean something to someone. Zeta,
0: hmm.
1: Vezraga, Jita. Damn. But, but March- I, don't know. I don't know anything about that.
3: March 2020 is like a rough time for, <laughs> for a video game to launch. Because that yeah. was like just Doom Eternal Animal Crossing month. That was just like nothing,
1: nothing was That was also through. the end of the world month. Yeah, I mean, it was also it was the end also... of the world month.
3: That's the, that's the
1: least, that's the less yeah. important <laughs> part of that month. March 2020 will always be looked at as like a catastrophic month in, in history. Very similar to October 1929 or something like that. It was yeah. when Tom um, Hanks, yeah.
2: when we found out he was positive, that was the moment. That was the,
1: that, yeah, so it, it was it all downhill through. from there. I said I was with someone in a Chinese restaurant a few weeks before like everything went off and I was like, thinking. yeah i remember literally i said that i was dead serious yeah of course i think it was on the show (laughs) yeah (laughs) i'm sure there's a whole litany of things that i said on the show i I think everybody was wrong man
3: like i mean come on like because we've been through like swine flu and stuff like that and it was just yeah whatever right and
1: yeah h1n1 and all of that but uh, this was the one this is the one that got us all right well good selection dustin thank you for that chris let's move it on to you for your first of five selections Sure. I think I'm going to go with the one I also know the least about first
3: because I think that just makes the most sense. I think I'm looking forward – and keep in mind, this is such a – we know so little about this that it's pretty likely not going to come out next year. I actually think it's likely going to be pushed, but it's slated for 2022, so fits the rules. Mm. But the Callisto Protocol is something that I have my eye stapled to because this is the – this weird PUBG universe, Dead Space spiritual successor, that you know, in the wake of Dead Space remake uh, being confirmed and and having seen a, quite a bit of that already, it'll be interesting to see a reimagining or like kind of a spiritual successor to that series with proper next gen technology behind it. In a universe that I, I, I'm I just baffled <laughs> that it's taking place in. The PUBG name doesn't do much for me, but Dead Space is so great that anything that promises to harken back to that in any way, shape, or form already has my immediate attention. So this is one that I am cautiously optimistic for. We've seen very little of it. We've only seen, I think, a CG trailer of it when it was announced, and we haven't heard much from it since. But this is, if this launches in 2022, like they proclaim it will, this could be pretty fucking cool.
1: I agree. I think this is a great selection. I don't know if it'll come out this year, or or, I guess I should say 2022 either, or almost this year. Yeah. But coming to PlayStation 5, so first of all, one of the things I'm excited about with Callisto Protocol is that it's a PS5 game, and it's not a PS4 slash PS5 game. So that's number one. Number two, Glenn Schofield, right? Mm -hmm. Attached to this. Great shooter name, and also one of the creators of Dead Space. So, we have that to look forward to. And I love the idea of shared universes. I'm going to talk about a game in a little while that is also in a, they're attempting to create a shared universe, although it's, it's less obvious what they're doing with it. And, um, I, I dig that idea a lot. I don't know why I like that idea, because I think it kind of limits you narratively, but I love the idea of things, even if they're not necessarily interdependent. And I, I'm, Curious. This takes place many years in the future of PUBG. Yeah. So, like, I think hundreds of years in the future of PUBG. So, I'm curious, like, what is even the relevance of <laughs> of the game to the crystal Protocol? It reminds me of a much less in, uh, intimate version of what Dust Five One Four was going to be on PS3 in connection For to Eve, of course, Eve Online, and what CCP was doing. So. And that was, I remember being, you can read this gushing shit I used to write on IGN when they announced that. I was like, this is unbelievable. Because I really thought that that was such an unbelievable idea that these planetary battles are happening in EVE Online and you are the, the dudes on the ground fighting the, yeah. like, the actual battle and being, the, but it was too complicated to understand. It was too complicated to work and it's never been attempted again because it is clearly too complicated to do. So I think this is a great selection. Uh, shout out. Uh, to craft um which is the South Korean company, of course, that owns PUBG. That's trying to push that universe a little bit. And yeah. I think that they have to push or die because PUBG is just no longer the, the name anymore. Yeah, it's not. All right, boys. My first selection, and I'm going in order of, of excitement for me. It's, it's a game that was brought up early in the show, and it's, it's Hogwarts Legacy. And we actually have a letter here from Dale Catraco, and I hope I'm saying that right, who wrote into us on Patreon and says, I'm looking forward to Hogwarts Legacy. I grew up with all things Harry Potter, but in the last 10 years, there hasn't been anything comparable to the wonder and awe of the original books and movies. I'm hoping they can take what made Harry Potter great originally and put it into this game. Nothing would be better than taking me back to some of the best parts of my childhood with a game like this one. Here's hoping. So my excitement for this game is not rooted in much because I like Harry Potter. I read a few of the books in high school,
3: Mm -hmm.
1: as I said. I don't I'm not familiar. I don't remember really what the story is about other than that's like about a, a fucking orphan wizard and he lives under a pantry and shit. That, that That's really what I remember <laughs> about 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 and that he goes to school and he has meets friends. Or whatever. Yeah, but I don't remember the ins and outs of it whatsoever. It's been 20 years probably and anything after Azkaban. I just never familiarize myself with in any way. Same. So this is a and there's gonna be another game like this too later on. But this is a game that I feel like will allow me to finally find a connection to that universe. Because I know that I like that universe. I liked the three books that I read when I was a a teenager. I liked the movies. I dig those characters in that world and the magic and the, the wizardry or whatever. But it just, I never had a way to stick with it. I just didn't stick with it. You know, you guys know me. If I miss one thing, I'm like, well, I'm out because... How am I going <laughs>
3: to,
1: you know, I'm still catching up on the MCU. I'm in 2009 right now in the MCU.
3: Oh, my right? God. We're about
1: to watch <laughs> Iron Man 2 in January. So it's going to it's going it, to I knew that once I lost track of that, I was just gone. And I feel like Hogwarts Legacy is just going to be a way for me to connect with this universe and hopefully a way that allows me to experience it, get something out of it. And hopefully my hope is to convince me to go, hey, go. Let's go, man. You know, go back in and, and check this out. There are quite a few universes I want to do that with. Like, I really want to re- reread Dune. And I know that's going to be a whole thing for me, too. So this might be flighty kind of a flighty kind of want. But Hogwarts Legacy is not a game I'm excited about because of who's making it. Avalanche Software is making it. They're fine. You know, yeah. they're a good WB owned team and they do good work. But they usually did like licensed games, Disney Infinity and stuff. But this seems like a triple A very well produced game that I hope will allow me to find some tether to this universe. And I also have to say, and I don't, you know, whatever, I really have my respect for JK Rowling has just exploded in recent years. I know that she's very controversial for some people, but I feel her outspokenness on women's issues is refreshing. And I think she has everything to lose. And I appreciate that about her too. So I would also like to reward that in some corporate way, in some sort of commercial way, because I don't have any interaction with. She writes, like, these mystery novels, and she writes the the Fantastic Beasts. I don't... So, like, this will yeah, be a yeah. way to, to you know... Right, here here you go, JK. Uh, Good work. Keep... You know, whether you agree or disagree, I appreciate your bravery and your boldness. I don't think a lot of people do that anymore. And uh, so I wanted to throw that out there as well. So I'm excited about Hogwarts Legacy. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll leave it there if you guys have nothing to add.
2: Oh, I, I have something to add here, Call. Please. I'm also excited because... I was realizing I'm, I think I can consider myself a big Harry Potter fan. I'm just not the type that make it my personality. (laughs) I grew up, I read all the books, saw all the movies. We would go at midnight when they premiered and stuff. And I have to agree with uh, uh, the, whoever wrote in, sorry, Colin just deleted the comment. Yeah, I deleted it, sorry. It's okay. Mystery, man.
1: I have to agree. I, just, do that, I do that on some documents. I'm sorry. It's the only way I can keep focused.
2: Yeah, no, happens. it's okay. But I agree in that I have not felt anything for any new Harry Potter stuff. The the Fantastic Beasts movies, I saw the first one and I thought it was just ab- abysmal. And I maybe I should check out the second one and give another chance. The third one just got announced, which ironically, J.K. Rowling was trending at the same time for something she tweeted right when it was announced yeah, yeah. and it's funny colin because you're uh you want to give money to harry potter stuff in order to support her and most people wish that they could sever the tie of their money from harry potter and well, her. Right. so it's like the opposite but, but
1: i, but I want to be i don't think that it has any deleterious effect on her net sure at all what she's saying i just want to be clear that's that's the point is that i think her books were like exploding in popularity recently like the exact opposite of of that so there seems to be people that are speaking more quietly, but mm-hmm. fuck, why, why can't you speak out? Sure. You know, and I'm with have, you. Uh, have I, I, I think that that's awesome. No one's no one's afraid to say things from one side of, of any narrative. No one. Yeah. There's no social cost. There's nothing to lose by by saying certain things. And I think when people say totally normal, logical, reasonable stuff like I think I went when we did the when. Troy Levitt got fired from Avalanche or left, in quotes, Avalanche. Remember, we, we went into that. And I, I remember, remember I, I said I went into everything J.K. Rowling said because I was like, what did she say? What did she say? And I couldn't find it because mm. it doesn't exist. Like, it just doesn't, you know, like, I'm sorry. So uh, but regardless, you're right. So a lot of loud people in the industry are going to be very anti-Hogwarts legacy, no doubt. Oh, right. I can't wait to see the Kotaku shit and the Polygon stuff. But that's
3: so weird. It's gonna happen. She's a she has like pretty much. She's basically a billionaire. Basically, like she has so much. She has such an insane amount of money that like even if you boycott the whole, it's not gonna do anything. Like it's such a weird. Just enjoy the game, I guess, if you want to, or or just don't play it if you don't want it. I just I don't understand. We've talked about boycotts before and like how I just mm. I just don't I just really don't think they even matter these days. But I gotta say harry potter is one of those weird things where like i got i was super into it when i was young and i just felt i was kind of like you where i fell off i fell off after azkaban Mm. i was like all right well it's getting to like it's getting to the point where all these movies are like really really blue and i can't see anything and i'm like "Ah." (laughs) yeah i like the whimsical tone of like the first two and the third one was pretty good too but i was like "Ah, I'm, I'm, i'm done but chamber of secrets as a as a as an actual like video game is dude awesome Like, (laughs) the the Chamber of Secrets video game from, I don't even know, like, it it was like, it was EA, it was, it was early Xbox, uh, PS2, that game is awesome, actually, it's like one of the best movie-based games, I think, like, sincerely, and if they can capture what that game captured, which I think is just the, the feeling of actually going to this school, it was, it wasn't even really so much that they captured Harry Potter as a character all that well, It's more so the feeling that you got to actually go to the school and, like, attend classes and, like, explore the halls of of the school and, like, use spells to unlock doors and kind of, like... It it was so much fun, and and they had this whole nighttime section where you had to sneak around, otherwise, like, the hall monitors would, like, come get you. And, I don't know, it was just such a fun idea that, like, I've been wanting a game to capture that actual feeling of being in that place for such a long time. And the fact that that's even a potential this year, this upcoming year, 2022, whatever, you get it, is kind of cool. Because we haven't really seen it. I think a lot of Harry Potter games after after that kind of focused more on the movies because graphics technology got better. And, and you know, you could be like, hey, this is actually about Harry Potter and his friends. And I'm like, eh, ah, I just kind of want to go to the school and fuck around and fly. You could fly your broomstick around yeah. the entire campus. That is so cool for like a 2002 2003 video game that's like gta like what the hell are you doing this is crazy the freedom of that dude
2: some of the later games i've not played them but apparently they're basically gears of war style shooters but you're flicking projectiles with your wand have you seen that before it's real weird
3: yeah I, i remember seeing trailers for um more uh well, at the time, more of the modern Harry Potter games, and it, it did look silly because it was just like, <laughs> it was yeah. like, it was like vanquish beep, beep, almost, yeah, like just shooting spells like rapid fire, which all just does not happen also in in Harry Potter, so it's like extra weird to see.
1: But yeah. I'm looking at the I'm looking at the um just the release timeline on Wikipedia of all the Harry Potter games, and yeah, there hasn't been. There were a bunch of, there's iOS stuff, of course, and Android stuff, but there were some Lego Dimension stuff in 2016, mm-hmm. but the last games that were released on console, I didn't even think I realized these were Harry Potter related, were the PlayStation Move games, Book of Spells and Book of Potions, oh, 2012, yeah. 2013 on PS3, and then Harry Potter was also on Kinect, and then they did the Lego Harry Potter games before that, and so on and so forth, and yeah, the release timeline for all of the accompanying games Um, all from EA, different EA studios. I remember that because uh, I think I wrote the strategy guide for Prisoner of Azkaban, as I recall.
0: Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down.
1: Colin? And we'll select your your next game. Yes. I've cheated. I put a
2: game that is currently unannounced for PlayStation, but I'm confident that it will come to PlayStation. Okay. And I'm also biased about this game. And that would be Nobody Saves the World from Drinkbox. And I say I'm biased just because my very first time ever doing games industry work or whatever was... At PSX, my very first show was writing for the website that me and my friends started and doing videos. And we were seriously nobody, no audience, uh, like barely any audience, and we had next to no viewers or subscribers on YouTube. But Graham from Drinkbox was exceptionally kind to me and the team and has Lightly stayed in in contact with me throughout the years, and we've DM'd here and there. And Colin, I know you're you're friendly with him as well. Mm-hmm. And I I've said this before on the show, but I never forget the people that were just exceptionally kind when they had absolutely no reason to be. And so, yeah, I I will always be super you know appreciative to him and and Drinkbox for that. Anyway, that being said. Nobody Saves the World is currently announced for PC and Xbox, which is very odd, being that was their previous games were initially PlayStation exclusive at launch. And yes, so they, I think
1: they did a they did a Switch game too, right? At some point, I think I'll look. But yeah, Go on.
2: so this one, I'm, uh, I mean, I'm, I would be very surprised if it remained an exclusive. I think at the absolute latest, it will be early 2023, but. I'm guessing it's going to be even less than that. Who knows, though? But either way, Drinkbox makes amazing games. Guacamelee! 1 and 2 are both incredible. Guacamelee! 2 in particular, I really, really loved and was really just shocked at how beautiful they made a flat 2D aesthetic on PS4 Pro at the time in 4K. They have, like, really unique lighting systems to light their environments that is just really really cool. And this new game Nobody Saves the World is an action a top-down action RPG game where your character is named Nobody and you can switch into different characters and level them up and gain new abilities. What is cool or what I found appealing about the the videos I've seen is just that there's some elements of mixing abilities that sounded really cool and as you unlock abilities you can attach them to different characters for unique combos for example there was there's abilities where you can poison rooms and then there's abilities where you can light poison on fire and so it has some of those combos that allow you to be creative with with the combat and of course this game just visually looks absolutely awesome i think they have such a unique style they have a a style that is uniquely drink box when you see it now from their previous games you just know that uh Certainly. it's them and so i'm i'm excited for this game i like i said i feel confident that it will be on playstation probably next year or shortly after but i'm looking forward to this one quite a bit
1: Yeah, I was looking... I don't know why they did a Switch game between Guacamelee! 2 and this, but I think this was the game I was thinking about. Mm. So, yeah, this is the first time that they're not launching on PlayStation. You'll recall that their first game, Tales from Space, about a blob, came to PS3 in 2011, and they were prominent Vita supporters. That's why I became friendly with them. They had a Vita launch game that was exclusive to the console at the time. It was later ported called Tales from Space, a sequel, Mutant Blob's Attack, that people might recall from 2012. And then, of course, 2013's Guacamelee! I was a very vocal advocate of that game from the very beginning and that was a PS3 and Vita game and Sony had an interesting relationship with Drinkbox because they funded that game through what was called the Pub Fund at the time which was basically a loan system in, in basically a 0% loan system or something to that nature in exchange for the interest being exclusivity for a little while and then you can bring your games elsewhere. And of course, 2016, they released a Vita exclusive called Severed and that was awesome for them to do because that was not smart commercially for them to do that. And that game was made for the Vita. And I know it later came to Switch, 3DS, and Wii U and stuff like that so other people got to play it. But uh, shout out to them, of course, Drinkbox, old yeah. friends of mine as well. Okay, Dustin, let's move on uh, to Chris. And, or unless you have anything else to say. No. I don't want to interrupt you. Okay, uh, Chris, what, uh, what's your next game?
3: My next game is uh, something that we saw recently that I was not necessarily expecting to care all that much about, but it ended up kind of looking like one of the most interesting, interesting things we saw on the day that we saw it, which is Suicide Squad, Kill the Justice League. I don't really care that much about DC Comics, honestly. Like, it's not really... It's not my I'm more of a Spider-Man Marvel guy but even the more recent Suicide Squad James Gunn film I thought was like a lot of fun and like really well done I had it was really like one of the one of the better interpretations of that universe I felt in a long time and it kind of made me already it kind of introduced me to this universe a little bit more so I, I already kind of went in the door one foot in the door to like caring about this universe a little bit more than I otherwise would have but I think what we saw looked really cool. It, it harkened back to a little bit of Sunset Overdrive for me. It looked really kinetic and really fun. It looks like there's a lot of fluidity, and it looks like they really put a lot of effort into making sure these different characters played very differently, which was one of the things that I was kind of curious as to how they would pull off because Rocksteady, for as good of a studio as they are... They've really only done Batman before, and I was curious as to whether or not if they could handle the different fighting styles of a whole team in that way. And it looks like they did. It looks like a lot of fun. It looks absurd in all the right ways. It doesn't seem like it doesn't seem like it's trying too hard to be funny. It it's balancing a tone here that I'm really appreciating. And it just looks damn good. Uh this is another game that we don't know too much about. We've only seen We've seen kind of cinematic trailers. We've seen like in engine, I think, cinematic trailers, but still no gameplay up until recently. And the gameplay that we did see was more of like a like a like a gameplay trailer with a bunch of different segments kind of cut together to look cool. So we still don't really know how 30 minutes or an hour of gameplay looks in Suicide Squad kill the Justice League. But given Rock City's track ra- track record and how polished this look looked when we saw it at the game Awards. I'm feeling pretty bullish about this being a pretty solid game. If not, I, I would probably bet that this is going to be one of the top of the year, I think. I think
1: Rocksteady has the chops to kind of pull that off. I concur. I think this game looks awesome. Uh, I wonder, my big thing is how, how and I, I'm sure this is a design problem for them that they had to overcome. It might be part of the reason why it's taken so long is, how do you win? I mean, do you win? are you gonna win in this game i i i'm kind of curious about that <laughs> Like like how does that work and if it's a serious question in the sense that if if you can't imagine beating the justice league then what does winning look like how does or is this alternate history spin where you do win or something i, I don't know if yeah that's bothering anyone else? it's not bothering me i'm, I'm curious about it because it has to be something that they've solved
3: that's what's kind of fun about it it's that i i that's One of the reasons I like the Suicide Squad is that there's really no way to predict how this is going to go. Because the whole point of the Suicide Squad is that they kind of get fucked over. Like, the whole point is that they're supposed to lose. And you never know what... Like, in the last movie, uh, David Ayer, they won. You know, they... And in this next one, they kind of won too, but they kind of didn't. Like, it's like a very... It's a very interesting group of characters to follow because you don't have to have that stereotypical the good guy wins moment because you're playing as the bad guy and you're the good guy to you. So all conventions are completely out the window. This whole game could take place and you, you might not kill a single member of the Justice League. I really have no idea what they're going to do. And that's, I think, what's yeah. most exciting about this is just seeing how they play that and whether or not they play it for comedy and whether or not they can balance that tone well because that's something that a lot of, A lot of writers I find struggle with, uh, especially in video games lately. Like, my God, did I just move that thing with my freaking mind? I think uh... (laughs) (laughs) it sticks out in my head. I don't know why. But, you know, I I think I think it's I, I, I just feel really positively about this. I don't know. Like, I have a good feeling about Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League. I think it's going to be a super interesting game. I think it's going to come out of nowhere and surprise people in the same way that I think Guardians of the Galaxy did for me only they've got Rocksteady behind them and I just have a lot of confidence in Rocksteady because even the game man people hate on uh, Arkham Knight quite a bit and I get it because there are some design decisions in there that I didn't enjoy but overall I think that's a solid like a really really good game especially on the platforms that it was running on not PC sorry (laughs) sorry sorry for everybody who got that game on PC but that's a solid video game and I have no reason to doubt Rocksteady's ability to pull something like this off Granted, we've learned recently with Rockstar and CD Projekt Red that you can't always trust a developer, and, and there's a bunch of different reasons why you shouldn't necessarily, but even with that caveat aside, I, I'm feeling pretty confident in this one. I just think it looks really cool.
1: Cool, man. Good selection. I think that, that's a selection that has to be made. My second game is Sea of Stars, a role-playing game that is coming to PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5 likely. In and elsewhere in 2022. And this comes from Sabotage, which is the studio that only made one other game, which is a game everyone loves, of course, The Messenger, mm. which came to PS4 in 2019. And The Messenger is just an absolutely exceptional game. One part Ninja Gaiden, one part Metroidvania. So old school Ninja Gaiden, like linear Ninja Gaiden. It was just an absolutely exceptional game. And Sea of Stars is a game that is very different. But takes place in the same universe. And I was going to tell you guys, as I I noted earlier, that there was a game that I really wanted to talk about that excels in or is trying to excel rather in making a loose shared universe. And it's inspiring for us at Lilimo because we're trying to do the same thing with our games where we're trying to tie them together in some way that loosely makes sense. And so I like that the sequel in quotes "The Sea of Stars, although it's just in the same universe, is this totally different type of game. And if you go look this game up, Sea of Stars, you can Google it. It's a seaofstarsgame.co if you want to check out the official website. You'll find a game that looks like Chrono Trigger a great deal, which is awesome. I love Chrono Trigger, not as much as others do, but I think it's a, a wonderful game, certainly aesthetically. And the art from the game, the actual character art and the concept art looks really like Capcom Breath of the Breath of Fire era watermark type character art really colorful popping blues and reds and I don't know this game looks really really cool and there's something on their website they have the game is all pixelated but they have a dynamic lighting system in it you guys go to their website they have this spinning wheel you can use to show you as the day progresses in a space because it's all in real time um, or in in real time in game and it's just stunning like this is a pretty big team making this game apparently 23 people and it is intimidating to know we're making a role-playing game and there's stuff like this lurking out there that is just so high quality and looks so good. I can't ignore that this is a must-play for me. And the Messenger, I think, lost a little bit of its juice for PlayStation audiences because people will remember that it, it first came to Switch in 2018. So by the time it came to PS4, it didn't really have that same, that same uh, momentum anymore. But if you haven't played it, you really should. It's obviously you want to look up a trailer and stuff. It might not be for you, but I, I, you'll see it and you'll know that I love it. And if you know the games that I love, then you'll have some sort of way to identify it. But Sea of Stars, shout out to them, Sabotage Studio. Hopefully in 2022, we'll see this game. That's what they say. Yeah. And so that is my second selection. Dustin, what is your next game?
2: So earlier in the show, we talked about how this is... Games we're keeping our eye on in some instances. And this one is one that I don't even know if I can confidently say I'm excited for. I'm interested in it and I'm hoping that it ends up being good. But there's many, many red flags. And that is Forspoken. So this is the team behind Final Fantasy XV, which is a game that I enjoyed despite thinking that it had a lot of issues. And... This one is kind of odd in that it's a Japanese team making it, but they're using American actors and American writing talent. And it seems to be following in the footsteps of Final Fantasy XV's gameplay, maybe a little bit more fluid with more traversal options. But what I've seen from the gameplay looks pretty promising. I'm very intrigued and... The the main issue, though, is what Chris mentioned earlier, is that the some of the dialogue in the story just seems totally cringe, to put it lightly. Oh it's just my God, I'll say. very, very cringe, and yeah. it's disappointing. It, it's given me this weird lopsided feeling about this game that I feel like I want to be excited for, and just recently, maybe we'll cover this on on Sacred, maybe we have, or maybe we won't, I don't know, but... They did previews for the game and dropped a gameplay video that was on their YouTube, and I think they gave it to IGN and a few other outlets, and then they removed it, which didn't make any sense to me. I watched it, and it didn't look amazing. It was kind of slow-paced. Like the, the selection of what they chose to put out as gameplay maybe wasn't the best. Right. Also, there was a lot of technical pickups and stuff. So I'm wondering if they just saw the reaction to that four minutes and thought this is gonna live forever as something people click on to see gameplay. Let's let's remove it and add something new later. But I I kinda would have thought they would have had a new video out by now to yeah. replace that. So the fact yeah. that they haven't put something out is very uh suspect to me. But either way, I don't want to judge this game too early. Yeah. It's uh I think the weirdest part of all is just that it's it's very, uh, in anime there's the term isekai, which is supposed to be, it's an entire subgenre of anime that all basically has the same kind of plot, which is you, a normal person from our world, gets transported into a fantasy world that's like a video game. Sword Art Online, whatever, stuff like Sword that. Sword Art Online, is that yeah. that's what I was thinking? That's of, yeah. probably the most popular isekai anime. And so this is an Isekai game. It's just done in such a, a unique way with its actors and its and its writing. So I don't know. We'll see. Like I said, red flags.
3: Yeah. I uh it's weird because uh when we first saw this game, I remember being pretty excited about it because I feel like the the first selection of gameplay that they showed with no dialogue, it was like it was very minimal what they showed. Right. Yeah. But I remember being impressed by it. I thought it looked really cool. I thought the movement looked really fluid. And then the second trailer had talking. And then I was like, ah. No talking. Maybe, maybe it's better when s- you weren't talking. Yeah, it's better when you, <laughs> <laughs> it's better when you weren't talking. <laughs> and then this next one was just sort of middling. So it's just, I don't know. Like I like Dustin said, we don't want to judge it too harshly. I mean, I, I judged the hell out of Death Stranding before that came out and look at look how that turned out. So this could be great, but uh, I'm nervous about this one. But I am looking caution I, I'm I have my eye on this as well like I'm looking forward to playing it and seeing
1: how how it actually all shakes up there's to your point interesting writing talent attached to the game it's yeah Amy Hennig and her longtime partner writing partner Todd Stashwick who worked on the Uncharted franchise with her a little bit and Gary Widow. so pretty serious writing chops I just don't know that you can make this cool for me no matter what you do although I'll try to be open-minded and wait and it's certainly not going to be a day one purchase or play for me. But the name Frey Holland as the protagonist really bothers me because she's from <laughs> New York City, and obviously New York City is you know New Holland. So I it's a little too on the nose, a little bit corny, but whatever. We'll see. I don't want to judge you too harshly. But Final Fantasy fifteen team, that's what scares me. Mm. While we get the Final Fantasy fourteen guys working on Final Fantasy sixteen, which by the way is not on the list because it is not confirmed for a twenty twenty two release. And uh, mm-hmm. some of us didn't break the rules as we played the game.
3: <laughs>
1: okay. So that leaves one of three for you to select from, Chris. What is your next game?
3: Oh, yeah. So I'm going to start with I, I've reorganized my list on things that I'm most excited for. So number one is going to be my most, the, the one I'm most excited for. And this is just something that's on the way. But I think obviously, God of War Ragnarok. I mean, you can't like. I'm looking forward to this. I, I I did I did feel a little iffy on the trailer that they showed because it did look a little samey to the previous game. But at the same time, I think the previous game was so good and so polished and so well choreographed and well shot that I I think I think I think the sequel is almost a victim of the first game's success in the sense mm. that. There's really only so much higher you can climb for a game like God of War. Uh, I, I would hope, like, you know, 60 frames and stuff like that would be an obvious thing that we're not really seeing in the trailer because it's a trailer. But I think, you know, th- just the visual fidelity and the art- artistic direction and just how surprisingly good God of War was to me because i was not expecting it to be that good i really was i remember god of war was coming out and i was like ah oh, man they're doing they're doing a last of us god of war kratos has a daughter it's like it's like <laughs> yeah or a son you know like it's just it's just one of those weird things where it's like they're just going to give every single grizzled ancient playstation character a son now and or like a, a child
1: and it's just like
3: it, I, that's how i that's how i felt that's how i felt and i feel like a lot you of people I totally, I totally totally understand, understand what you mean Yeah, it is funny when you think about it. It Yeah, it's just yeah, the clown from Twisted Metal has a son. Yeah, Uh, (laughs) it, it just at the time I remember feeling like they're gonna go this route with everything. This is gonna be dire and serious the whole time, and then they did it, and I ended up liking it more than the original games. And you know that's hard to do. It's a very difficult thing to reinvent a series like that. And do it in a way that's very quality. I thought the single shot camera was really cool. I, th- I thought the story was awesome. I had nitpicks about it. the 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 menu navigation in particular, I thought was a bit much. I thought some of the RPG light elements were a bit were, were so shallow that I, I I questioned even the reason for them being there. It's like, oh, you could put fur armor on Kratos. What whatever, cool. Like, yeah, cool. Like, I I didn't do any of that shit, but. The game itself was great, and I think having a sequel to a game like that, where that game had the opportunity of kind of people being a little bit skeptical of it, um, not being sure whether or not they can pull it off, now that we know they can, the sequel has a lot of expectations. And to be quite honest, I don't know if there are expectations that are possible to meet. I I I just think this game was so cool and so good and so new that... A sequel that is more or less the same is going to be satisfying no doubt from a narrative perspective but i do think it's i'm a little less excited for this than i think a lot of people are because I'm, I'm just expecting the same thing again which is a good time i'm i don't think this is going to be a bad game by any stretch of the imagination but i don't think this is a game that's going to surprise me nearly as much as god of war 2018 did when it launched that said looks gorgeous I don't have a problem with them reusing a boat animation. But I was going
1: to say, the boat animation doesn't <laughs> stick in your craw.
3: No, I don't, I don't care. I, I wish more, to be honest, I wish more iconic video game series would learn what they need to change and what they don't. Because there are certain things that I think are just so good that I think, like, why would you change that from game to game? Right. You know, like. Just know what, don't fix what isn't broken, I guess, you know? And there was nothing broken about that boat animation. It still looks good now. So why? And that's how
1: Kratos pushes a boat in the, in the water. That's just how he goes. Yeah, it's consistent. That's how he does it. <laughs> Thomas Kritz wrote into us and said, hi, CDC. For me, it's God of War Ragnarok. What stood out most to me were the characters in the world. The original trilogy was great for the gameplay, but God of War 2018, what that did was make me care for Kratos. I loved Kratos and Atreus' story together. How much growth there is for both characters. I also really love the North setting. I don't really know much about Norse mythology, and the game did a great job in making me want to learn more. Can't wait to see where Kratos and Atreus' story goes. Thanks for everything and all the great shows. Hope everyone has a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Thank you, Thomas, for writing in. Yeah, this is a selection that has to be on the list. I must admit that I'm a little lukewarm on this for Mm -hmm. the same kind of reasons uh, that you mentioned, Chris. And I'm curious what you think of it, Dustin. It's just now that we know what we're going to get, which is something very high quality and very fun. I mean, obviously, I'm going to play it day one. I think I'm going to love it, but God of War, 2018 God of War didn't stick with me the way it stuck with a lot of other people. I was more impressed by it from a production standpoint, where Santa Monica Studio really saved their studio with that game. And it's an amazing hit. And I think it's a revival much needed of a character that was just really stuck in the PS2 era for me. So Mm -hmm. there's a lot to applaud from it, but I don't know. It's just it's not something I'm like eagerly anticipating like I even am Horizon or something. Yeah, doesn't.
2: Uh, so I'm watching through the trailer again, and I'm I agree with you for sure that the it feels samey. I think that my optimism or the the optimistic side of me at least hopes that the issues, the main issues that I and I know Colin you had as well with the original game, being kind of the world structure and the fast travel, stuff like that. The little things. The little things, right. They can't portray the little things being fixed in the trailer. And I'm really hoping that that's kind of the main thing since I think overall that was the main criticism of the game from many people. I think that overall though, and this still lingers for me, is that I just wanted this game to be PS5 only. I want to know what, just just because this game was looks so good the original looked so good on ps4 and ps4 pro it was shocking and not, not that they were the only obviously last of us was amazing a lot of sony first party really learned how to get every less drop drop out of that console but the thought of a uh, fully next gen god of war just you know tickled my tickled my jimmies a little bit and i'm always going to be thinking about what that version could have been so maybe well didn't they say they're only doing two they're not doing a trilogy. Yeah, I think
1: that was that. That the well, that they were saying that was the end of the the Norse the Norse the, arc. arc or whatever.
2: What's next? So what, we'll see. what other god uh, kingdoms can they do? They
1: should definitely leave God of War alone for a while after this. I that's my sincere hope. The uh, but yeah, the American know,
2: gods, the founders.
1: The that would be awesome. I mean, dude, he Bioshock takes out Infinite. George Washington. <laughs> very very Bioshock Infinite. That's one of the cool parts of that was like the the reverence they held for specifically Washington, Jefferson and Franklin. I, yeah. I love that.
3: Yeah. That the so iron neat. Patriots or whatever, those machines. R- that would, <laughs>
1: right. Yeah. And they would like talk shit to you and. Bioshock giving it so cool. I, like, fuck no every Fuck all you guys who like hate it for no yeah. reason. I, yeah. You're dumb as shit. If you don't like Bioshock. <laughs> Ooh.
2: People are going to be mad at that, <laughs> but I, I respect it. I stand, I stamp that as well.
1: <laughs> Bioshock giving it a hater, right. stand down. Yeah. Stand down. Stand down. All right. Uh, <laughs> Next up for me is maybe going to be a surprise for people, but a very similar selection to. Oh, by by the way, before I even say anything else, though, I did want to say this. Forspoken, May 24th, God of War Ragnarok. We don't have a date yet, so I just wanted to throw this out there. But I wanted to select next for me Lego Star Wars, the Skywalker saga, which we do not have a release date for as of yet. And what's interesting about this game is that it's been pushed back many times. It was supposed to come out in 2020 and then 2021 and then. Now, 2022, I think that this game really got battered as many did by COVID, especially considering Traveler's Tales is European and not to give them any excuses, but I assume that the COVID restrictions were and still are much more stringent there. So I imagine if we really track this stuff out over long periods of time, I think American studios, even Canadian studios and others in Eastern Europe, et cetera, will have fared this much better than studio places where lockdowns for better or for worse, regardless of how you feel about them, had people working at home, not able to meet with each other. So I think that's part of it. Also, this is a heavily important licensed product that probably needed a lot of back and forth yeah. between the uh, the entities. But nonetheless, this is going to be Traveler Tales first game in a, in a while. And they haven't made, I, I went to go check this, since 2008, they've only made Lego games. And the last non-Lego game they made was a Chronicles of Narnia PS2 later ported a PS3 and Xbox 360 game called Prince Caspian. Ever since then, they've existed in in this world with Lego. And I like touching base with the Lego games every so often. I liked the Lego Star Wars Complete Saga. I think I played that on Wii back in the day. I played one of the Lego Batman games on Vita when that came out. I think I messed with one of the Lego Harry Potter games or something for a little while. And I feel like very similar to what I was saying, although in a different regard. what I was saying earlier about connecting me to different universes and trying to give me a way in specifically with Hogwarts Legacy and Harry Potter I feel like this will be a way for me to kind of reconnect not only with Star Wars but because I know Star Wars I'm like I know Harry Potter but make me like Star Wars again like make me give me Star Wars that makes me feel good about the franchise I feel like this game is going to be full of that kind of stuff even from the games like episode two or whatever that or movies rather that aren't very good. I feel like there's just going to be a lot to like here. I feel like it's going to be very fan servicey. I feel like it's exactly what I want as a star Wars fan. And uh, Paul Dunn agrees. He says, Hey CDC, my most anticipated game for next year is Lego star Wars, the Skywalker saga. No, really it is. I agree. Paul, I spent countless hours playing Lego star Wars two on PS2. The combination of expressionless Lego bricks, ridiculous sound effects, silly yet ironic humor, simplistic combat, and an addictive collectathon is an experience that I don't think many game other games offer. The new updated combat and added voices have me cautiously optimistic that the game I loved as a child is going to evolve into something I can enjoy now as an adult. Sometimes it's easy to forget that video games are just that, games. So even if this one is bad, it's not going to be bad. I know I will be chasing those gold bricks and mini kits like it's 2006. The nostalgia is strong in this one, definitely. Mm-hmm. And it's exactly what I'm looking for too. I remember when Spyro came to PS4 and I just for like a few weeks was just playing those games because I was just so into the collectathon. So I agree with you, Paul. I think that that's going to scratch an itch for me too, unlocking all of the characters. I think there's five stages per movie. So nine times five, 45 stages, like different worlds to explore. I think there's like three or 400 characters. There's going to be all these different collectibles. I'm excited about it. I'm really looking forward to this. Want to release date. Anyway, I've said enough. Dustin, what do you think about Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga?
2: The most exciting thing about this game to me is that they're changing up the Lego gameplay. The gameplay I've seen is much closer to the character. Not quite a third-person overview cam, but definitely it's different than the old games. It kind of reminds me, before with LEGO games, it was kind of common to say, well, once you've played one, you've kind of played them all. There's different characters and abilities, but they're the same format in the, presented in basically the same way, with some variations. They added open-world Elements to one of the early Marvel ones on on PS4, but you know it was kind of like Pokemon. They're they're good. They changed the monsters up, right? This feels like the the perfect change up at the perfect time. Where maybe Lego games Lego games have been stale for me for a while, but the the trailers of this just look really. I guess ambitious is the right word to put right word to put to it. Just that mm-hmm. there's vehicle sections, uh, either on on a planet or in space. Just it looks like a, a total evolution and not
1: just another Lego game. What do you think, Chris? Anything to say before we move on?
3: Yeah, I, I mean, I think it looks cool. I, this the, Lego is uh, a series that I have very very minimal experience with uh i was an only child i had like some nieces and nephews i would play lego games at their houses sometimes they're never my favorite things star wars is not my favorite thing this is probably not going to be something i jump into unless a lot of people tell me that it's really good and then i might uh but i do think this is probably going to be a, a good game like i don't think anybody's i don't think this has a shot at being like one of those like oh it's a two out of ten you know what i mean but doesn't necessarily scratch an itch for me and and what what i think keeps lego from being interesting to me is i, I feel like lego as a, as a game series i i think they need to get a little bit ballsy i think they need to do you know lego sophie's choice mm-hmm. or you know or, or lego, LEGO playstation list, you know just something like really Le- lego the green LEGO mile Schindler's... you know i want to well, see that well they have the uh they have the lego
2: <laughs> seinfeld kit you can buy now. So if, maybe that. Listen,
3: man. If there was a Lego Seinfeld game, I would, I'd have the special edition of whatever the hell that game was. <laughs> I don't know how you would make a game out of that, but Jesus Christ! Just I'd add be the combat. first person to play Fuck it. it. Just add combat. Yeah. Yeah. Why not?
1: Well, I was gonna say you might have a a thing against Traveler's Tale as well because, of course, they made 2001's PS2 game Wrath of Cortex and 2004's Crash to Insanity as well. Oh
3: yeah. Uh, uh, so you know what? I didn't hate those. They just weren't as good, you know? Fair enough. They were just, you know, they existed, and they were fine, whatever. I'm glad we got the, you know, the better ones later.
1: (laughs) Dustin, you have two games left.
2: Two games left. Number two, I was shocked when I went into the document, because I was the last person to fill out my list, and no one had put this game. Very shocking. That's Horizon Forbidden West, and... We just saw a new trailer for this at the Game Awards. We got the State of Play. And I went and I re-watched both of them. And let me tell you guys, if you watch a stream of a trailer and you were interested or, I don't know, if you thought anything about it, go watch the trailer again once it's re-uploaded on YouTube in full quality, 4K or whatever. Even if you're not on 4K TV. The, the stream adds such a level of compression that it's going to feel like a a totally new trailer. I just rewatched the Suicide Squad trailer, which is now in 60 frames per second, and it looks way better. Not that I thought it looked bad at the Game Awards stream, yeah, but yeah. it it's it significantly made me more excited for it just from the better quality. Anyway, my point is I rewatched those Horizon trailers and it's shocking to me just in that we were talking about God of War was my la- or was one of Chris's picks and I was saying I was disappointed that it was cross gen. Yeah. When I see Horizon Forbidden West, it looks next gen. To me it looks like a proper PS5 game and it makes me wonder if the PS4 version is going to be significantly downgraded or it's just Gorilla is Wizards and have made what will be the best looking PS4 game. Yeah, which we know that they have extreme technical knowledge dating back to games like Killzone 2 and 3, of course. But I I love the way this game looks and beyond just the the graphics, but the art direction in particular. It just feels so bright and mm-hmm. vibrant. It has this tropical look to it. And it's funny too, when we we're watching the the trailers, one thing that i was really impressed by was the underwater sections yeah she it looked convincing and a lot of times underwater stuff in games just does does not look very good and i was i was amazed about about this in the first game as well so maybe it's just the fact it's new robots or whatever but the scale of some of these creatures the detail on them I I can't wait for this game. And it's funny just because I was a little... I wasn't lukewarm on the original. I really, really liked the original. Going back to it, I... I don't know. I couldn't get into it when I tried to do a a replay. And something about this is just calling my name right now.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for, Forbidden West is is going to be great. And I'm a little skeptical of how much it's going to push things because it was started as a ps4 game so unlike god of war which i think might be more truly cross-gen there was an intention at some point that horizon would come out only on ps4 so i mean that was early on but we have to remember that this game came out or the original horizon came out about five years ago now so it's been a while I love Horizon Zero Dawn. I think it's an amazing game. It's one of PS4's best games, one of PS4's best exclusives. There's no, no, no game holds a candle to that, with very few exceptions. So we know we're going to get more of that with Forbidden West. I've stopped watching everything because I don't even want to see anymore. But it's so weird because although I'll be there minute one playing it and probably loving it, it's just not that anticipated for me. Because for some reason, it's the mystery that is most intriguing by some of these other products. I feel like it's it's the same thing with God of War in a way, for me where there's not much mystery. We know they're going to be great. I mean, if God of War and Horizon are not nines, are we going to be? I'll be shocked, truly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's almost like yeah, okay. Almost like you're eating well and you want to look at like what what other people are like. You're looking at other people's plates and and kind of scoping out other restaurants and and checking out Yelp. And that's especially going to be my next two selections. So. I understand the excitement for Horizon and God of War. I share those ex- levels of excitement, except, expe- especially, I'm sorry, for Horizon. But yeah, they didn't make my list. Horizon did make my list originally, then I popped it off for something else. Yeah. Chris, do you have anything to say about uh, Horizon?
3: No, yeah, I, I think it looks super good. I think I think Guerrilla's coming into their own, I think, with this one. I think their first game was definitely, in my view, it was, it was a little rough. I, I think specifically just the choice to open with like child Aloy and she just looks like fucking Chucky. I I really can't. (laughs) And (laughs) you can tell that they were learning how to do this, this new style of game, which is cool because it ended up being great anyway. It's just, you can tell when something it's, it's kind of like overwatch to me where like overwatch feels like the first attempt of a shooter. It's a good game. It plays well, but it feels like they haven't really done this before. Um, And it kind of felt that way with, with forbidden West Uh, In in when I was playing it. And then just like the weird like party city beards on on people where it just didn't look exact. I don't know. It just looked strange in certain parts. But the environment looked great. That's the thing. It's like the environments always shine in their games. Like I think like Horizon Zero Dawn looks fantastic when you're looking at just like a landscape and you're just like going through shit. It's when they close in on people that it looks a little weird. And this one looks like they've rectified that problem entirely. Like I I didn't see anybody that looked particularly Strange in these, like everybody, everything looks fantastic, and I do agree with Dustin. I think it looks way better than God of War does. I think largely because I think they had a little bit more room to improve. But I'm looking forward to this. I I just hope that the the minor problems that kind of built up for me while I was playing the first one, that kind of prevented me from finishing it, are kind of rectified here because I didn't feel that way with Ghosts. Like Ghosts of Tsushima, I, I really loved. And I think a lot of that is because they have experience with this third person open world kind of they have experience making it feel amazing to move around. And that was like the one aspect that I felt was a little bit lacking in the first Horizon, which was moving around felt almost great. And I think they probably, after all this time, have nailed it here. So I am excited for it. I'm a little bit more interested in the world of God of War, which is why it, it this one didn't make my list. I figured somebody else would put it on. I thought you would put it on for sure, Colin. But...
1: Yeah, it, yeah, it was on my list originally, but yeah, I, wanted, yeah. I wanted to have... It's also important to me to like kind of sprinkle some attention towards some games that we don't talk about very often. Totally. Everyone know we're going to talk about Horizon so much. We're going to talk about God of War so much. And that's going to be great. I'm excited to talk about those games. But, yeah. Yeah, it is, I, I understand why it would be surprising. But I also knew that someone else would have picked it up. I think that... The reality is, is that I saw a list with no God of War, no Horizon. I think that I would have probably chosen them just because we had someone asked it, but I didn't have to. Suckers! <laughs> All right, Chris, let's uh let's stick with you for your second to last selection. Yeah, man, I'm looking forward to Sifu. I
3: don't know what the hell this is. It looks so neat. The the like the animation of the fighting in this looks awesome. I think the aging mechanic every time you lose is sick. I I just think that the visual style of this game is awesome. It's it's a small it's it's a small game, but it looks it looks in my opinion just absolutely exceptional. Like I feel like I'm I'm going to really enjoy this, and I, I hope I do. Like I, you know, you can always be wrong about these things. Anticipation is a double edged sword in a lot of cases, but something about Sifu really grabbed me. This is a, a third person kung fu kind of action brawler type deal. And it just looks... It's very striking to me. I don't know what it is. It's something about this game is just calling me and I'm excited. I, w- I was disappointed when it got delayed, which I don't really feel all that often. Usually when a game gets delayed, I'm like, good. You know, it means there's more time to get it right. But this one, I was like, ah, oh, damn. I was like, <laughs> I really want to play this as soon as possible. And it's very rare that like a smaller game like this can can uh, elicit that out of me. So I had to put it here just for just for that alone, just for enticing me to that degree. But... I think this is probably going to be really, really cool, and I don't expect this. I don't expect to see this on a lot of lists because it is a smaller game that I don't think a lot of people are necessarily paying that much attention to. Although it's got its own, you know, fan base and stuff. But yeah, I just, it's, uh, I just think it looks uh, cool. it, it'll
1: it be interesting. Slow clap, French team making it, and uh, they released the game Absolver, which I don't know if people played in in the summer of 2017 on PS4, which people really liked too, and. I wonder, I mean, it had middling reactions, but got some award nominations, and and it stuck with people. This is a very Kena-like situation where it is a timed, I think maybe slightly or partially funded, second-party-esque timed exclusive game for Sony that will later come to other consoles, obviously immediate, com- immediately coming to PC, I think... It looks really cool. I like some of the mechanics, too. It certainly feels different. And yeah. I think that that is one of the things I'm looking forward to. It's also imminent. It comes out in early February. Yep. Dustin, you have anything to, uh, to add?
2: I like the aging mechanics stuff we've seen. That's one of the most interesting aspects of it for me. But yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing this one as well. I don't know if I have much data other than that.
1: All right. My next game is my second to last game is Monarch. M-O-N-A-R-K. I'm really looking forward to this game. Now, it comes from a Japanese studio called Land Cars. I'm not really into this because of them. They did work on Zanki Zero, which was like that Danganronpa guy's JRPG product. And they did do like uh, work on Lost Dimension, which was okay. And El Shaddai, which was okay, whatever. But there are some people from the Shin Megami Tensei team that have gone to, I guess, Furu, which is the publisher and Landcarth's the studio, and they've made this game Monarch. You can go check it out. It's being published by NIS, so you can go to nisamerica.com slash Monarch, A-R-K. And it's, here's what it says, and uh, I think you'll understand why I like it. In an academy linked to a mysterious realm known as the Otherworld, four companions lead to four destinies. Nourish your ego and madness to harness the power of demons in this tactical RPG. You suddenly awaken in Shin Mikado Academy. Before you is a barrier separating the campus from the rest of the outside world. Sound familiar? Within the academy grounds are the madness-inducing mist, cryptic phone calls that connect to other worlds, and seven pack pairs, each with their own demonic authority ruled by their egos. And the egos in the game are the seven deadly sins. Pride, wrath, envy, greed, gluttony, sloth, and lust. And you get points and experience in those things depending on the decisions you make and the actions you take in various situations as you create your character. And it fucking looks awesome. I don't know if it's going to be awesome, but I think it looks great. I'm excited about this game. I'm looking for something like this. I'm feeling especially saucy because of Persona 4, where I'm feeling into, like, uh, with the JRPG genre, right? I'm feeling, like I was talking about with Sea of Stars and others, I'm feeling drawn back into these games and the familiarity of some of the, because it sounds, what does it sound like? It sounds like Danganronpa. And, I think that that will be cool. It also has a little taste of trails, of, trails of heroes, and it has a little taste of obviously persona and all of that shimagami tensei. But I'm excited about this game, Chris. I won't even throw it to you because I know you don't care. But Dustin, Thank I'm you. curious what <laughs> I'm curious what you make of this product. I was wondering. I know we brought it up on the show a while ago, but I'm wondering if you have caught up on it because I feel like it is a game that you would dig.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm watching the trailer again now. It it's funny because I think that this game has come up it's been brought to my attention three different times. And every time I completely forget about it until I so, see it yeah, again. That's you need to know then. Yeah. yeah. But the, it's definitely has strong persona and Danganronpa vibes, which is of course two of my absolute favorite things. And Colin, like you right now, I'm feeling the, the anime itch. I, I took a break after tales of arise because I really blitzed through that game and was kind of done with it. But now I'm, uh, I'm watching this show called Jojo's Bizarre Adventure, which has just kind of reignited my, my weebdom. And so this looks, this looks really nice. I'm excited.
1: Me too. I'm, this is a February release as well, and I'm looking forward to seeing if it's any good. I trust NIS in some way to identify Western or Eastern games that are, that are fit for Western release. They don't always do that well, but remember, they're the ones that identify Danganronpa. Uh, and many others. Disgaea, of course, which is an internal product, and others. So they do have a good eye, and I'm excited about this. I'm a little confused why more people aren't talking about it, which is what makes me a little worried, but I feel like maybe some of the oxygen is being taken up by specifically Shin Megami Tensei V, and this game looks so similar to that. I don't think it's going to play necessarily similar to that, but I think that's probably taking up some of the oxygen right now. Dustin, I think we all know what this game is, but let's go to you for your final selection.
2: My final selection, of course, is Elden Ring, and I thought very intentionally I didn't want to repeat the same things I've been saying over and over again, but I have a new thought just to, to put out there, and that is one of the reasons I'm so excited about this game is that I'm just such a big fan of Hidetaka Miyazaki. He's a really, really interesting guy if you learn about his his rise. He grew up super poor in Japan eventually his job he got a job let's see at the oracle corporation and he did like oh account managing is what he did i was trying to remember exactly what it was so it doesn't didn't have a video game background and he decided to pivot to trying to get a job in the games industry cuz he played eco eco had such an impact on him that he was like yeah this is what i i need to do and so he ended up getting to work at from software after trying to get a job at all kinds of different places and worked on armored core and the original demon souls project. He wasn't even the lead on. They kind of gave it to him uh, late, not late, but after they kind of didn't know really what to do with it. And they thought, fuck it, we'll give it to him. And the initial reception for demon souls was so poor that he thought that he completely blew it, and that that was kind of his chance, and it it would never happen again. And then, obviously, we all know that Demon Souls ended up blowing up and being uh, a surprise hit. And just to see his his rise, as we were talking about a few few weeks ago, the art uh, uh, I always say it wrong, auteurs. Yes.
1: Yeah, the autor. Yeah. the
2: auteur. But he's he's kind of the. The anti-Kojima in that he doesn't want to be viewed that way. He's very private and he doesn't do... I mean, he does interviews, but he never tries to make it about himself. He makes it about his team and the game itself. And he he's just always been very intriguing to me. And thats it's one of those situations where obviously the games are amazing. I love them, but my interest in him enhances the experience and so yeah miyazaki he's amazing and the elden ring you know we just got that story trailer that i mentioned i didn't watch at the the game awards a lot of people really really liked it he's been evolving his storytelling particularly in sekiro while still being cryptic and weird was more on the nose. And of course, this game has some writing credits from George R. R. Martin, creator of uh, Song of Ice and Fire, Game of Thrones. So very lore heavy. In yeah. fact, that kind of column might be the biggest thing that would potentially interest you in this game. It's just uh, It feels like there's history here in this new world. And I love that.
1: Well, that's, I got to say that's one of the things, although not to the extent you're describing, but one of the things that I thought was attractive about Bloodborne. I loved skulking around and there's just a person inside a door talking to you or there's just a little mysterious sigil or note or something. It is very intriguing. I like that kind of stuff. i am I'm happy you're happy because I know a lot of people are really looking forward to it and... I, I know you brought it up, and I know we brought this up in the past, but it's important to kind of reiterate and really nail into people's minds. Demon's Souls was so weird yeah. as a product. And I remember getting Demon's Souls at IGN and like in a box, like the game, the pox copy. And we were like, what the fuck is this? And, and as I've said in the past, the game came out and we didn't review it. And then people were like, what are you doing? This, this furor started to grow. And so we had a freelancer review it. And think it ended up getting a 9.3. Sam Bishop, who was our, an old freelancer of ours, did it. And there aren't many of those. There are just not many games then or now that just arrive and you're like, what is this? And Demon's Souls was that game. Anyone who I don't want to say anyone, but most people who are like, oh, yeah, I love Demon's Souls from the first second. I ordered and stuff. I'm like, I don't think you did. Nope. Like, I, I, I in fact, there was so little furor for Demon's Souls. The story about Demon's Souls is that Demon's Souls was a is a PlayStation IP. We know that now from. Well, we've always known that, but Bluepoint did the PS5 exclusive, but Sony believed in it so little that they didn't publish it outside of Japan. Atlas published it. And that's unbelievable. Like when you go back and think about that, that's unbelievable. Sony <laughs> let From Software off the hook. It is one of the greatest business blunders, I think, in triple and recent AAA history. Dark Souls by right should be a PlayStation franchise, and they just let them walk away and sign with Bandai Namco. It was a massive blunder. And that's what Bloodborne was trying to rectify, and now they're going to try to rectify with Bloodborne again. All right. Oh, I want to – we should read this from Jeffrey Leonard. He says, hey, fellas. My pick for most anticipated title is Elden Ring. In an industry that is spilling over with games launching in an abysmal state, it's nice to know that developers such as From Software are reliable to release a product that fulfills what was marketed to its players. I, I don't know. I thought one no. – I'm interested to <laughs> – you know what you're getting. It's not for, if it's not for you. There's no chicanery involved with how they convince gamers to spend their hard-earned dollars. I'm curious about what you think of this. I thought that that wasn't the case with a couple of their games.
2: Uh, it's getting better, <laughs> but <laughs> definitely. I mean, that's the the Achilles heel of From Software is their technical ability in their their games is uh, not very good, particularly Bloodborne. Still even on ps5 it sure it technically runs at 30 fps but it's got frame pacing issues so it looks juddery and weird same thing with uh their most recent release sekiro if you play it on a base ps4 not good so it's i think they deliver in the quality of the game
3: but they're not spotless for sure
1: all right, Chris. I throw it back over to you. You can, if you have anything to say about Elden Ring, please do. But otherwise, I'm I'm ready for your number one.
3: Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm mean, I'm looking forward to Elden Ring. But I think uh, I I was de- I was definitely not going to steal that from <laughs> from Dustin. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to that game a hell of a lot. I think it's I think it's going to be awesome. The fact that we have a jump button again, I'm just like I'm uh, yeah. It's yeah. a video game. It's a video game for me. Good. <laughs> but I I think this might be surprising to some people. Because I don't know if I have that many obvious choices for twenty twenty two. Twenty twenty two, like we said earlier in the show, is a wild card year. I feel like a lot of things could surprise us. A lot of things could kind of come out of nowhere. A lot of games that we think look kind of bad might might be might turn out to be complete nine point five out of ten material. But I am really really looking forward to a Plague Tale Requiem, and honestly, I'm not even really sure why. I th- I think I played the first Plague Tale with a bit of, I don't know, maybe lower expectations than I anticipated, or maybe I just expected it was going to be one of these games that has me walking around with my wife real slow, just going (laughs) through conversations. You know, like, or or just, uh, I, just this always bothered me. Like, even in the, I know now that it's a loading thing for earlier games, like in, in the original Gears of War, where you'd be sprinting, and then all of a sudden Marcus would be like, He put his hand up to his ear and then you couldn't move more than like a stand. I'm like, why are you doing this to me? Just let me play the game that I bought. And this was one of those games. It was, it was a slower game. It was a game where you didn't have a lot of offensive capabilities. It was very stealth oriented, very character focused, very story heavy, a little bit fantastical. I thought the setting of just plague ridden France was awesome. I think on a visual spectrum, I think it it really nailed this kind of middle ground between realistic and stylized, and I, I really grew to care about these characters and and this this world and this just the technology around the rats, I thought was really cool, just the the, sw- the way the swarms looked and the way that they kind of reacted to to, to light and and the different ways that that played into the game really impressed me on a design front. I think it's like a really solidly designed video game. I had some gripes with it that I think were mostly technical. Like I ran into a couple bugs uh, and there were some strange choices in in set pieces and encounters and some of the puzzles got a little boring. But when I finished that game, I felt like I had played something that I was thankful that I had played and seeing this tr- this new game kind of promising a little bit more offensive capabilities and uh a little bit more of a kind of a second chance to kind of iron out those small details if you can give me a game that i'm happy with but have criticisms of i'm more than happy to see like how much the studios learn from it and how much they can improve on that original formula and i think there's a lot to improve with the original a plague tale but i think what could be there after those improvements is really cool really special and really interesting And it's it is something that i'm just really really looking forward to and i definitely wouldn't have expected that uh before i played the first game and i'm just i don't know i i'm feeling pretty optimistic about it, it looks cool
1: i'm fascinated by asobo because the studio because mm-hmm. they also make flight simulator
3: yeah it's so strange and
1: so they actually have both of these products going yeah back and forth which is which is cool and uh they're really growing into their own i wonder if someone's going to scoop them up because they're working with Focus Interactive on Playtale, which is a growing publisher and then they have this relationship with Microsoft. So I wouldn't imagine that they're going to be independent for much longer. I would definitely. No, yeah. I mean I mean eye out for them.
3: The, the sheer I, I mean the sheer versatility in, in being able to make something like a Playtale and then make fly, that's so in that's way beyond making Killzone and then making you know Horizon. You know that's such a strange <laughs> The fact that one studio can do both of those things is, is is wildly impressive to me, and the fact that they do both of them well is, uh, you know, that's a that's a notch under their belt for sure. And I think that uh, I think you're right. I don't I don't think they're going to be independent for much longer. Someone's going to scoop them up. I wonder who it'll be though. Hopefully it's not Tencent.
1: Yeah, I hope it's Focus yeah. inter- Entertainment. I'm f- I'm fine with them building a little stable yeah. for themselves. All right, the final game for me is. February 4th, 2022, gone gold already, so we know it's really coming game. Dying Light 2, Stay Human from Techland. I can't wait. This is the culmination of seven years of waiting for this game. And it really has been about that long. I played Dying Light in 2015, and I played it again in 2017. And it's an extraordinary game. And in playing Far Cry 6 recently, which I love, there's so much Dying Light in Far Cry 6. I, I don't know if people who are playing it understand how much dying light influences in that far cry game but it's everywhere and i want to see if they can realize the the potential of the original game which i think they did to a great extent and i think they have more to prove they took their time they did the antithesis of what cd project did which is they just were like we're just not ready we're just not ready we're just not ready we're just not ready and that's annoying as fuck because this game has been in development for so long and we've also seen them release so much dlc for the original dying light you almost want to strangle those motherfuckers sometimes but they they finally got this game out or they're about to get this game out and i have high expectations and i'm gonna be going into this one pretty excited you know the night of the day of february 4th i'm gonna be all over this bad boy and uh i love the way the first game tied together A very tired zombie trope with a very exciting and very nimble and very new, almost Mirrors Edge-esque traversal system Mm -hmm. combined with shooting and action mechanics. Really fun story. Fun characters. Cool world. I've stayed totally out of what it's even about at this point. I don't even know what the game's about. Yeah. And so I'm amped up. Dying Light 2. Stay human. February 4th. PS4 and PS5. I don't know if you guys have anything to say about that, but I'm writing it on my list, so I make sure to put that in the, uh, in the description. All right. Guys, we have a few comments here from the audience that will round out some games we didn't select, mm-hmm. so let's read them out. Ruben Barrett wrote in said, Hi guys, with all the craziness of Activision and Blizzard, my most anticipated game is still a seemingly little, is a little suspect, Diablo 4. It's already been delayed and the constant issues of games as a service infecting just about every genre I'm a little concerned about. At its core, the Diablo games are non-monetizable. You play the game, grind, and pick up items over and over again. To alter this is to alter the game at its core and make it not a Diablo game. Excuse me. My pessimistic side has me thinking how Blizzard can screw this up and the state of the company has me thinking they're at least going to try. It's really the last stand for Blizzard in my opinion as the quality of their games has dropped ever increasingly over the past decade. I'm trying to be positive, but goddamn is it hard. I am not a Diablo fan. When I was at IGN, I remember Diablo 3 coming out and people were just absolutely through the roof amped uh, on the PC channel. stuff. but it's just not for me. I'm not into these grindy ass games. Are either of you looking forward to this? Yes. Talk I am.
2: Uh, yeah.
1: yeah. There's a lot riding on this
2: game just with the state of Blizzard. we've We've talked about this in the past, but you have a game like Overwatch 2, which seemingly doesn't need to exist and is having issues with development. And... Diablo, eventually Diablo 3 got to a really good spot, and I think that the the current version you can play is very good, but this one is a new Blizzard. It's new leadership, and so it really is anyone's guess what it's going to be like. I, I want it to be awesome, but I have very little confidence in Blizzard as a whole, uh, around it so
1: what do you think chris
3: yeah i i actually like diablo i'm not super into it i don't i don't know lore or st- really any of that but like, i remember when diablo 3 came to console um that's how i actually got introduced to it a friend of mine was like yeah hey, you should play diablo it's like eh, i'm not really into CRPG, like the loot thing i'm i don't know like i'm not super into it He's like, no, it's actually, like, super fun on, like, couch co-op, and and it really is, and and I played it with him, and it it, it totally was. It's a lot of fun on... Specifically, couch co-op with friends is so much fun. Like, I don't know how it played when it came out on PC originally. I know there was, like, a huge, like, error that was going around that was, like, made that launch a disaster, but I have a really good impression of Diablo 3, and it's made me curious about Diablo 2, but I've been bouncing around between so many games lately that I just haven't bothered to look into it, but... I mean, assuming that they don't fuck with it too much, I, I, I don't see how Diablo 4 could be bad. You know what I mean? Like, it, it almost seems like they would have to try because the formula is so proven and it seems like such a simple game to nail that, like, shoving live service elements in there. They ha- I feel like even Activision would be wary of doing something like that, especially now you know like i feel like there's almost a weird level of safety in the fact that everything is crumbling around them right now because i don't think they're going to wanna rock the boat in in the way that they have in previous years they're not going to they're not going to go on stage and be like you guys have phones don't you you know they're not going to you're not dealing with that activision right now you're dealing with an activision that is scared as hell you know this is not a good place for activision to be i don't think they want to rile anybody up if they had live service plans for this game I would not be surprised to see those completely abandoned just as a way to kind of course correct the narrative in their favor because I do think they are the studio to do that or or the publisher to do something like that even if I do think that could be temporary for like release period because we know that they've <laughs> we I know personally that they're totally willing to just promise things like yeah no microtransactions get reviews glowing about how positive the lack of my transactions are only to add them in in a patch like a couple months after the game comes out therefore complete just really shady and dishonest so it's weird i i i want to look forward to diablo 4 but i feel like i'm better off just playing the older
1: diablos
3: you know that just seems like i think we're gonna
1: find out i'm it's so funny because on the last episode or two episodes ago, we brought up Diablo three and the auction house yeah, and the clever way that they allowed people to monetize stuff. And they actually have an ability built into the game and built into the expectations of the audience that they could do something new, different, exciting that people could actually make their own money on. Yeah. And But you know what you're going to end up finding with Diablo four is like NFTs. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Uh, I mean, I, and also I just hope they know better because Diablo is sacred. It's not like Overwatch or something like Diablo is more important. Yeah. Than than that i think
3: but i was i was gonna say so, though that people really hated the auction house <laughs> like i don't know a single soul who like likes diablo who has a positive thing to say about the
1: uh, the auction. Oh, well house. fair enough i always thought that it, it always sounded like a cool way for people to i don't know maybe dustin like to keep the better... microtransactions in it just seemed to me that it's like the microtransactions are internal right
3: i i, I think so i'm not super familiar i didn't engage with it on that level like i like i said i played a co couch co-op with a friend
1: Trevor Myers wrote in and said, hey, CDC, the game I'm most looking forward to in the new year is Tiny Tina's Wonderlands. The trailer and gameplay previews make it really seem like this is what Borderlands 3 should have been, especially with how bad Borderlands 3 story was. Wonderland is going to take the level of customization to 11 with the different character classes, races, and all the different offensive weapons like magic and the returning guns. The fact that spells are items you find rather than learn has me really hyped for the spinoff. Hope you all have fun, fun Christmas and a happy new year. So I just want to say, first of all, I love Borderlands 3. I'm sick of people talking shit about it. Borderlands 3 was awesome. I love Borderlands 3. I thought it was a really exceptional game and really fun. I have to say, when I was seeing this, I was just ignoring this over and over again. It does look fun. Like, there's no doubt in my mind that this game coming out March 25th on PS4 and PS5, in my estimation, looks like a ton of fun. But I just don't know if it's going to be one of those games that slips through the cracks for me. Yeah. But I feel like this game is going to bomb. Let's be clear about that. But I feel like i might actually end up playing it i don't know if you guys have any opinions on it one way or the other yeah, but
3: I, I think it looks cool i just uh, i don't know the, the borderlands writing is is is, is really great and i actually don't think borderlands 3 was that bad I, I i think the uh i think the thing that really got me off of borderlands 3 was just the the poor optimization of it like it just didn't run well for me on playstation and i just remember trying to play it and trying to enjoy it and just all these frame pacing issues. And and it just it even on performance mode. I would get, I would get stutters and I was like, this is just unacceptable for a game like Borderlands. You know, It's, it's nothing that complicated is going on. It's cell shading. If anything, performance should just lower whatever it needs to lower to get me to 60 because it's fucking Borderlands. Like I'm not counting the individual hairs on fucking, Uh, you know tiny tina's head like i don't care so that's the one thing that really peeled me away from borderlands 3 i I thought the story was fine like i actually was enjoying where it was going up until that up until the point where i just i couldn't take the inconsistent framing anymore but I, i i think this new game i think it looks cool i think the premise is actually a lot more enticing than Standard Borderlands. I think the idea of like magic and and kind of D and D and I think the presentation is inherently a lot more interesting to me than just oh another Borderlands Definitely. because Borderlands Definitely. two in my opinion was fantastic. I, I think um, it was really hard for any Borderlands game to follow that up, and I think Borderlands three in my opinion didn't necessarily live up to Borderlands two. Although granted, I hadn't finished it for the reasons I was stating earlier, but I have a feeling I might jump into this one eventually. Because I do think the presentation is cool, the writing is still something that I'm not super big on. But if the game is fun, and the presentation is cool, and it's interesting, and it does fun things with the premise, I think I could I could probably see myself giving this a shot, and uh, giving an old
1: college try. You know? Cool. All right, let's hear from Joshua Anderson. Set up, fellas, Saints Row. I'm anxious to see if Volition can return this franchise to form. with GTA 6 off in the distant horizon, the trilogy remaster in terrible shape, and no other real third-person open-world games of similar style currently taking up the public consciousness? There's no better time to release. I totally agree. Uh, this was a game, actually, that I almost had on my list. I think that if it was 10, I probably would have had St. Row on my list instead of five each. We haven't heard from Volition in a while. Mm-hmm. You know, now owned and owned for a while by Deep Silver, THQ, Nordic, and all of that, but the studio long behind games like Red Faction and and the Saints Row franchise. We last saw them in 2017 with Agents of Mayhem, which was the spinoff. I totally agree with what Jeshua is saying. I think that this game has an opportunity. I feel like that's part of why they've delayed is because they realize that they have a massive opportunity, not because of Grand Theft Auto's failure, but just because of the dearth of there being a single-player-centric, open-world, GTA-like game. So the fact that the game is coming out, you know, in late summer, I think, now in 2022 is, is excellent. So I totally agree. I'm looking forward to this game are either of you?
3: I'm cautious about it. I don't know if I'm looking forward to it so much as I'm curious how it's going to come out because the the trailer that they showcased um did they show another one? They did, right? They showed mm-hmm. two. Yeah, I think Yeah,
1: I think that two of them did.
3: Yeah, the two trailers that we've seen so far didn't really give me a lot of confidence. I don't know I don't know if they're ever going to hold a candle to Crackdown 3. Oh, you know, yeah. that masterpiece. Sure. <laughs> I think I I don't know this game looks like it's it's a good time for this game to come out but at the same time I don't know if what I'm seeing convinces me that they know why it's a good time to release I feel like they're kind of going a little bit in this weird it's not Fortnite but I can't help but see this weird style that they've got going on and, and just it it feels like it feels like a mobile game sometimes when I'm looking at it, like the style of it and and just the the structure of it and and just the way that it the way that it's advertising itself like it has me a little concerned i th- I think the visual style of it, I don't think it's necessarily leaning to its strengths uh but again, we haven't seen proper gameplay of this thing, and that is really what's going to make or break it. That's really what this whole experience hinges on is the open world fun to play in we have no idea all we can go on is art art direction some some hints of story and just the understanding that it's going to be an open world game we don't know what it's changing from previous saints rose necessarily we don't we don't really have an idea of what this game is yet and that might be intentional in which case not a great sign i don't know this this is one that i'm i'm really concerned about more than anything i'm i'm curious to see how volition lands this plane but i I'm not super confident
1: in a smooth landing. The one thing I'm paying attention to with this is just the real consternation in the audience for, or in the fan base of Saints Row. They don't seem to be pleased. Yeah. So that seems to make some level of sense, but I also don't really know that they've seen enough or know enough to know if right. it's going to be any good. And that's kind of the thing that's bothering me. I just don't think that Volition would just miss like that again because I feel like Agents of Mayhem was kind of a miss. And even Saints Row 4 which people forget even exists, well, is also, I think, a game that a lot of people didn't, didn't play that came out at that weird cross-gen time between PS3 and PS4. We have to bring this one up. Jameson wrote in and said, uh, Seasons Greetings, boys. I hope you are doing well. I can't help but be the most excited about Gran Turismo 7 coming next year. I grew up pouring hundreds of hours into GT3 then hundreds more into GT4. After my Xbox 360 red Ring dummy, I brought a PS3, and the first game I got was Gran Turismo 5. With Gran Turismo 6 being released on PS3 right after I got a PS4, I never did dig into it, and I think a lot of GT fans had the same issues. So it's been a decade since we played a true mainline Gran Turismo, and I can't wait to sink my teeth into some 4K 60 frames racing. Looking forward to y'all's coverage of GT7 and all the other upcoming PS5 games. Happy Festivus, friends. Thank you, Jameson, for writing in. I don't think we have anything to really say about Gran Turismo 7, but... Well... We... Well, well, I, I would say I'm looking
3: forward to this too, specifically because of the DualSense. Like, oh, yeah. I, I think playing Forza Horizon over on the Xbox ecosystem really made me appreciate these kinds of games a little bit more than I, I have in the past. And I think the whole time I was playing Forza, I was like, this is great, but it would be awesome if I could activate DualSense while I was playing this. And if they take advantage of that, which I imagine they will, it would be astounding if they don't, then this could be really cool. And I'm totally down to check this this game out.
1: It's funny. I was... Talking to Micah about that, where I was like, should I just play Gran Turismo? And it's like, I don't even have the frame of reference to understand this game. I don't drive. Mm. I don't care about cars. I don't care about sim racing. I don't care. But it's like, it's just, there's no way to dice it. It's just not for me. But I know that this is a big game. comes out PS4 and PS5 March 4th, so it's not too far off. Thank you for writing in. Dion wrote in and said, good day, Moriarty's and son- uh, Moriarty and Sons. Long time, first time. I'm looking forward to many games next year, but one I don't think anyone else will mention is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge. The older I get, the more nostalgic I get for old style games. Dodamu gave us Streets of Rage 4 in 2020, and I thought it was incredible. A perfect combination of simplistic old school controls with modern sensibilities. Dodamu was publishing for Indie Dev Tribute, who I'm not familiar with, and I've never played the old TMNT games, but for some reason I am very drawn to this one. I think I would rather play a dozen well-crafted, tight, and fugacious games over the year instead of two or three big budget and bloated live service experiences. Thank you for writing in, Dion. You don't know Tribute, but I know Tribute, and they're an excellent studio. You should be very excited. I think this is a really great selection for TMNT. So the game I'm most familiar with them is 2014's PS4 game, Mercenary Kings, which was fucking awesome. And that was one of the very first indie exclusives to come to the console. I don't think it's on PlayStation or on Xbox and Switch still. It later came to Vita. But Mercenary Kings was one of those games when the PS loves indies. We were talking about earlier about Drinkbox, same era. And Mercenary Kings was one of the games that came out of there. But they they released Curses and Chaos. They did Ninja Senki and Flint Hook. But the game that's really big for them in the last year or so was Panzer Paladin, which is on Switch and PC only. It still hasn't come to PS4. I don't know when it will, but people absolutely love that game. So this game is in very good hands. I totally agree. I'm also looking forward to it. And yeah, shout out to dodamu. Really great organization, bringing back River City and Double Dragon and all sorts of stuff. It says macro here, but I'm pretty sure it was Marco wrote it and said, Happy holidays to Santa's three most special elves. Yeah, you can see that. Yeah. <laughs> the 2022 release I'm most excited for is Gotham Knights. I know how you all feel about the so-called cape shit, but superheroes, comic books, and the Arkham games are very special to me. Nightwing and the other Bat family characters are some of my favorites, so I've been dreaming up this game since Arkham Knight's release. I only hope the gameplay manages to hold up what, for me, is a perfect premise. I'm looking forward to seeing your coverage of all things that are to come. Make sure to wish the chicken a happy Festivus between thrusts. Thank you, Marco, for writing in. So Dustin, I'm curious what you think of this, because I have to say when we brought up Suicide Squad, Kill the Justice League earlier, which I'm looking forward to. This is actually the DC game that I'm much more anxious to play because I like Batman a lot and that that universe a lot. So I even though it's not the studio you might want. Rocksteady is the studio you might want. I still feel like this is the game you might want. Uh, do you have any interest in this one?
2: I'm interested. I am hesitant just because it's it's been a while since I watched that trailer, but I remember feeling like some of the RPG aspects, the leveling aspects that they included in the trailer seemed kind of strange. I also just am unsure about taking the Arkham formula and then Changing it into a multiplayer game, whereas Suicide Squad is built from the ground up to be multiplayer. I need to go back and and look into this more. I should. I feel like I should be more excited. Just as since I was a huge Arkham fan of those mm-hmm. games, and while it's not rock steady, there's still a lot of promise just from the IP. So I need to. I'll, I'll go back and watch this trailer. Maybe that will reignite something within me.
1: John O wrote in and said, "Hello, bearded ones and Chris." I got to say, I'm looking forward to six days in Fallujah. We will finally see if the developers meant what they said about taking the story seriously or if they just wanted an excuse to make a Call of Duty clone. A more lighthearted pick is the Suicide Squad game. Well, no lighthearted picks from you, Jono. I like the six days in Fallujah pick. I'm excited about this, too. Uh, High Wire Games, Victoria Publishing delayed an entire year. I think... They didn't say 2022. They said quarter four 2022. That's a significant delay. I think that means that they're getting maybe a little more investment, sheening, or shining it to a sheen and getting everything right. Yeah. Crossing the T's, dotting the I's. What do you think, Chris? I, yeah, I, I hope it's good.
3: You know, this is something that really needs to be as polished as it can be. There's there's no room for error on this because it's already bad enough when a game comes out and it's it doesn't work or it's not good it's another thing when a game comes out and doesn't work and it's not good and it's supposed to be a, a, documentary, a, a documentary about real loss of life and real conflicts. You know, there's there's a lot of pressure on that team to get this right. And there's a lot of really incredible design talent behind this. You know, like I, I know Marty O'Donnell is behind the audio design. Jamie Griezimmer is like a really crazy, crazy designer. And he's working on this as well. There's... I, I don't know, I'm, I'm mixed on this. I think this could be really, really great. But at the same time, it's, it has expectations that I, I don't think any other game has ever had. So, you know, going up against those and, and sort of delivering something that people are going to be satisfied with. There's no way this game gets like a 9 out of 10. You know what I mean? Like people are going, yeah, to, be, pe- people right. are going to be, even if it's great, people are going to feel some type of way about it. Uh, and I think that's what makes me more curious than anything. I th- I'm looking forward to it. I want to play it. I hope it's good. It would be cool to see Highwire and uh, Marty and his team do something really cool that isn't just tied to stuff that they've done
1: before. So I'm rooting for this one. Worst fanboy ever wrote in and say, and says, and say, and say, I'm so tired today. Hello, Catechism crew. My most anticipated game of 2022 is a game that has been sitting on my shelf, gathering dust for 366 days now. That game, of course, is Cyberpunk 2077. <laughs> While I normally subscribe to and preach the word of "do not pre-order games," I fell for this one hook, line, and sinker. See, C- and you should say stinker. CD oh. Projekt has earned enough goodwill on uh, from me with Witcher 3 for me to trust that Cyber 20 20- Cyberpunk 2077 would be more of the same. What I received with Cyberpunk was numerous bugs, multiple crashes, and no choice but to move on to other games. I still believe that CD Projects is going to make the right, at least uh, make this right, at least for PS5 anyway, and I am hopeful that 2022 is the year I can finally dive into Night City. Thank you for everything you do, and keep on being the master of your domain. I'll play it probably in 2022 once it comes out, but we'll see. I just wanted to acknowledge that that is a, a 2022 release for PS5, and finally, Black Magic Fuckery, the Bussy Butcher. <laughs> the
3: Bussy
2: Says,
1: Butcher, damn! Yeah. Holy
3: shit! <laughs> but-
1: now, I have a question about this word, pussy. Micah and I were talking about this. Is it boy pussy? Yes. Or is it... That's what it is? I assume. Okay. That's what I That's what I assume, too. And then she said she wasn't... She didn't know if it was just a way for people to not say pussy, like kids and stuff. And I'm like, I don't think so, because isn't it... it bussy is, like, not much better than saying pussy. It's they're the same yeah, the, thing. The, 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 more, the more
3: egregious part
1: of the word is still
3: completely intact. Uh, <laughs>
1: That didn't really, ma- Yeah, that, that analysis didn't really make any sense for Micah, but Black Magic Fuckery the Bussy Butcher wrote in,
3: Wow.
1: <laughs> said, hey, boys, I am sacrificing calves at the altar of Stray for next year. Oh, We have a 2022 release, but no release date. A cute kitty living in a street urchin in a claustrophobic cyberpunk city. Sounds like the game my seven-year-old self wanted, but assumed I never would get. Is, it, is the only CDC anyone can trust excited about this one, too? And if I may, why don't we see more animal protagonists? This is good. This is a good question. Thank you for writing in Black Magic fuckery. First of all, Stray does look cool. It was supposed to come out this year. It's coming out next year. Annapurna is publishing it. A new studio, I think they're called Blue 12, is developing it. And it does look neat. And I'll say it reminds me of the old PS3 game, Tokyo Jungle, a little bit. And that might be a game you want to look into. That's a first party game from Japan Studio. That was a PSN release on PS3. And it's... I think that's an underrated game. Like, I would like to go back to that one day and play it again. That was such a strange game and, and very strange. That was from the strange Sony era, which was fun. That was when they released, like, Rain and Datara and all that like weird shit. But any excitement for Stray from you guys?
0: Yeah,
3: I, I, I think it looks cool. I, I wouldn't say I'm excited. Like, it, I, I would imagine it's one of those things where I'll wake up one day, see that Stray is out, and be like, oh, good. I'm. Lo- I was looking forward to this. And then I'll play it. But I'm not Fair gonna be enough. I'm not gonna be counting down the days like etching etching uh what is it? Days days since I heard about stray into my arm in a prison cell or anything. I'm
2: excited. Just uh I love cute things. I don't know if the audience has picked up on this. I love small animals and big animals. I just uh you know. So I'm I'm watching the gameplay again and just being able to play as this little cat in a robot world. Even if the game sucks, I will find some enjoyment in that little yeah. aspect alone. The premise. Yeah. He
1: likes small animals, and he likes big animals.
2: <laughs> I like them all. The, yeah. uh, they're all
3: cute. I love yeah, them. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Give animals the cat are a, wonderful.
1: If you give the cat a gun, I'll play it, maybe. Dude. Yeah, you can put a little like backpack on him. <laughs> a gun on pulls, the top. And he pulls it with his tail. You Dude. Know, like, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I like so that. Fun. Be kind of cool. All right, boys. Well, that's all we have for this episode, this special episode of... Sacred Symbols of PlayStation Podcast as we move into twenty twenty two. We hope everything is well in your lives and you had uh, I think by the time this comes out you'll you would have already had a good Christmas and mm-hmm. around New Year's, all of that. Be well, be healthy. Uh Chris, do you have any closing comments?
3: No, man, I think we had a lot of good picks today. I I, I was kinda I was kinda surprised that uh, none of you picked Cyberpunk except for that one guy. Because I know you're all really excited for it.
1: Mm. Yeah. Dang. Fair enough. It's a shame. Dustin.
2: Uh, no, this is, I was trying to figure out our last show of the year for patrons and our technically our first public feed show of 2022. So just thanks everybody for the, the support. This has been a, a crazy year for the company at large, yeah. rebranding and bringing me on and uh, just very, very appreciative for uh, this a crazy 2021.
1: Yeah, it's pretty wild, man. I mean, we have several million audio downloads but the show has really exploded on for the year but our our show has exploded on youtube where it's not quite half our audience but you know, a lot of people are are watching there a substantial amount so it was, it was especially heartening to do video finally and um and yeah so we, we and we might have something to say about future episodes as well future fun dynamic maybe a live episode or something like that we'll, we'll have more to say about that in the in the near future but uh yeah. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Well, Hanukkah is long over. Uh, Happy New Year to all you atheist freaks and losers out there. <laughs> I, I, I'm not much of a believer myself, but I hope everyone finds some togetherness, some family, and go into 2022 with your he- head held high. Hopefully things will be better than they've been the last couple of years. I leave you on that note, and we'll see you next time for more Sacred Symbols. Until then, goodbye. See ya. Take care, guys. Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast, is a product and trademark of Last Stand Media and Colin's Last Stand LLC, and is proudly recorded in the USA. The show was conceived by, is written by, and is directed by me, Colin Moriarty. My co-hosts are Chris Raygun Maldonado and Dustin Furman. The show is produced by executive producer Dustin Furman. It's edited by associate producer Ben Smith. All of Last Stand's theme music is by my best friend, Ramon Narvaez. As you know, all of Last Stand's shows, including Sacred Symbols, are fan-funded on Patreon at patreon.com slash laststandmedia. The following names are at the producer level on Patreon, our highest tier, and we're grateful for your thoughtful and kind contributions to our independent endeavor. Thank you. Andrew Morgan, Stephen Nieder, Ross Marenka, Miguel A. Brewer, Morgan Ashley, Azan, Michael Vecchio, Jerome Ferreira, S.L. The FMA, Jorge Palmino, Daniel Diamore, Brad Cooley, Jeremy Key, Patrick Leslie, Dave Cowell, Tom Quinn, Grayson Maxwell, Cody Woodall, Sorta of Serious Gaming, Unofficial Controller Podcast, Colin Farley, Mark Arnold, Zia Parix, Henry Groth, Joshua Rids, Relentless Rex, Troy Miller, Meyer Katz, Jordan Mittman, J.A. Zhu, Tristan Palacio, Strew Mullen, Christian R., Jad Rita, Patrick Skipper, Sweaty Mitt, Chris Kelly, Dustin Graf, Peyton Stone, Roberto, Josh Allen Rui, Tyler Watkins, Mike Michael Buffel, Troilus True, Dan Root, Talisman, Christopher, Randall Holsey, Robbie Norman, Nuke Dukum, Jim Bob56, William Holbert, Josh Godfrey, Kalique Souza, Vornak, Betty Ann Moriarty, Daniel Johnson, H-Tronge, Jay Getter, Bjorn Campbell, Jeff Mercado, Gregory Slavinsky, Galja, Of Fortuna, Boots, Tyler Brown, Megadet, Poot, Gavin Newland, Saul Balcazar, Zach Parsley, Brian White, Raul Melendez, Eric Harden, Alex Bolton, Matt Martin, Kinums, Joseph Baker, Rodney Coleman, Chris Moore, Caswell, Anti and Chris, Will Hernandez, Chris Galvin, Justin Gonzalez, Mason Cadillac, Ali. Fritz, Derek O, Zach Allen, Kyle Hagel, Christopher, Colin Love, Daryl E. Naiman, Ryan R. Kittredge, Toby Ryland, Michael S., David Bostick, Stewie 108, Patrick Montgomery, Damon W., Tom Cargill, Richter 86, Steve Hodge, Ian Bravo, Barrett Boswell, Christopher DeVayo, Chris Morton, Kevin Komaki, Johnny Waffles, Roto 24, Jonathan Coates, Sean Mason, Josh Gravelich, Jordan Town, Brian Chan, Organic Produce, Carlos Algarit, Richard Hebert III, Miranda Grubba, Josh Yeager, Martin Beck, Gavin, Joey Andrzek, Nathan R., Joe McPartland, Gary Cavallo, Christopher Moore, Jacob Bell, Dennis Usel, Eric Combiner, Lou and Ray Loper, Dylan Burns, Jason Lusky, Malachi Wall, John Schultz, David Chestnut, Anton K, Brian W. Rath, Alan Trembley, Tyler Bellow, Ryan T. Mandel, Tony Zaniga, Sean Battershall, Robbie Hensley, Alex Cabrero, Lennon Brixie, James Kinslow III, Will Caldwell, Hugo's Desk, Peter Reynolds, Anthony Vasquez, Adam Kinniston, Tyler Goodwin, William O'Carroll, Jesper Jansen, Max Cannon, Phil Crone, Throw Seven, Adam Nix, Josh McKinney, Michael Gates, Alex Gates, Ryan Robertson, Sean Chandler, Petro Rose, Lockmore, Gio Corsi, Joeyon Holliger, Gerald Pennington, Justin Wagaman, David I- colucci paul joyce edwin castillo chad lewis enrique perez joshua smallwood spencer brand don lee john cordero keith a lewis marius carson peterson ryan greenwood tyler harris matthew perdue patrick harper mad mock media jonathan rice and casual misfits gaming
3: but i, I that friend and, and like the people who liked diablo at the time that i was playing it i oh, remember hold, hold, a lot of hold negative. on it's
1: like oh sorry 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 oh shit sorry i was just getting a phone call that i need to take oh no worries i apologize it's my pool people
3: oh no, no worries
2: I thought Colin was about to like poop his pants for a second. Yeah. Yeah. Because he mentioned that part earlier and I was like,
3: (laughs) yeah, here it comes.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Can you refund movie tickets?
0: (laughs) Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your job's projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find